appreciated. Out of bounds. Welcome to Out of Bounds. I am here for the NFL Week 4 recap. I'm excited to get rolling and recapping. We are four weeks into the NFL season. Let's get into it. So this week in the NFL was actually pretty wild, I would say. There were actually seven NFL teams that failed to score an offensive touchdown. Um, The Giants, Patriots, Bengals, Browns, Steelers, Saints, and Panthers. The Panthers actually did score a defensive touchdown, but like in this day and age, just having this many teams not score an offensive touchdown is pretty ridiculous when you think about, you know, how offensive-minded or offensive-oriented the game has become. Um, it, it's it's pretty crazy, actually. There were a lot of duds for a bunch of teams. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like where I, I like my new format of just going through and recapping the game I find interesting because, or the games I find interesting because, I don't know, there's only so much you can say when a team comes out with a dud. Um, in the NFL, there's like tons of parody. It can happen from time to time, and it's very like momentum based. I would say, um, if, if you look through a lot of these like you know games that just ended, uh, where the teams only end up scoring three points, they have like a ton of issues. But normally, like they'll have like a good drive that just doesn't end in a score with like a missed field goal or a turnover or something, and then you know momentum shifts. The other sc- team starts putting up some points and if you just don't have it that day um it ends up being kind of hard to fight back um but yeah i mean let's get into the weekly uh recap of games so one of the games that i decided to go with was actually the monday night football game chiefs at jets so the chiefs barely scraped by in this one um 23 to 20 which is pretty crazy, honestly. Like, I think a lot of people thought the Chiefs would walk into this game and start stat padding <laughs> um, and just run up, like, you know, have, like, an offensive explosion, kind of like they did to the Bears, um, where they, I think they won, like, 41 to whatever. They won to 40. They had, like, put up 41 points, I think, in that game, which is kind of ridiculous. But uh, I think people anticipated that in this game as well. But, I mean, the Jets' defense is very good. Um, so it seems like, from what I see from the Jets' perspective, That defense can literally keep them in any game whatsoever. I think Zach Wilson definitely needs to make enough plays for them to win. And for the most part, I mean, I'm going to be fair. In this game, like, I guess the first couple of drives, he was pretty bad. But then after that, he really stepped it up. He kind of got into the flow of the game. And he he didn't play terrible in this one. Um, He was 28 of 39 for 245 yards. He had two touchdowns, was sacked twice. Um, but I thought he made a bunch of throws, especially, um, in the second and third quarters, right. Where they scored most of their points. Um, I mean, he got a, like a good amount of help from his defense, which, you know, got the two interceptions on Patrick Mahomes. It should have been a third one. Honestly, that holding penalty was very suspect. I don't know if I agree with that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he had a bunch of, uh, he, he had, Zach Wilson had a pretty good game. Um, I thought, you know, the one thing that intrigues me, though, I guess this is, like, the most Zach Wilson I've honestly seen, like, this season. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, like, the one thing that's weird is he, like, his prototype is kind of like a mobile quarterback where he can, you know, run around and, like, but it, he still looks like, I don't know if it's the Jets scheme or if it's just how he chooses to play. But, like, for a guy who can move his feet and run, he looks very immobile in the pocket. Like, he is just, he looks kind of, like, st- 
like a statue where he's just like not jumping around. He's not like moving his feet that much. It seems like he's just like like he doesn't run around. I don't know. I thought like that was the main thing about Zach Wilson, right? Like I thought he had like good escapability. Maybe not elite escapability, but like I don't know. I thought he had a little bit of something. Um and he just like hasn't really gotten to showcase that. And I don't know if it's yeah, I I'm not sure if it's like their scheme or if it's you know him just being like nervous or something, but I would say like if you're the Jets and you like if this is who you're rolling with as your quarterback for the rest of the season and you're like really trying to, you know, unlock him, um like the best way to do that is probably just like give him some plays where he can run around and maybe he has like a like a little read option or maybe he has like a bootleg where he can like it just uses mobility a little bit more. Um I think that's what I would want to see from them. Um and to be fair, like in this game like I don't even know because like I would say his wide receivers and tight ends did a pretty good job of making plays for him. That that uh, deep pass that Alan Lazard caught was really impressive. Um, the touchdown was pretty good, too. He had three catches for 60, uh, 61 yards and one touchdown in this game. Um, his favorite target, Garrett Wilson, had nine catches for 60 yards. Um, and I would say the touchdown that he actually threw to uh, CJ Uzama in the end zone was really it was a really nice pass by Zach Wilson. Um so I don't know like this Jets team is interesting. Like they have a bunch of playmakers. And speaking of playmakers, someone else who needs to be involved is Brees Hall. Um I don't know what's going on with him. He has been playing since the opener where and like it seems like he hasn't really done much since he had that one really long run um opening weekend. Um and then like you have to figure out a way to get him involved too. Because, like, the beginning of last season was ridiculous. Like, he was just carrying the offense, and unfortunately, he did get hurt. So, I really do feel that there's a chance that maybe he's taking some time to get his feet underneath him. And I did see a report that said, like, he is off of a snap. He's off whatever snap count that they had for him before. So, maybe now they'll, like, really, really start using him. But they need that, honestly. Like, he's, like, a dynamic playmaker. Um and you just have to get him the ball. You have to try to make him, you know, he, he can always spring open big plays. He had one in this game. He sprung open like a 43-yard run. Like, he has, like, that home run potential. Like, he hasn't always finished them off for, like, touchdowns. But just the fact that he can, like, bust open for 40, 40 yards on any given run is pretty crazy. Like, you need to use that more. Um, but I don't know. At the same time, like, they're falling to one and three um the bills and the page or sorry the bills and the dolphins not patriots uh i was my mind was in the past there a bit <laughs> but um yeah like the bills and the patriots have a good um like stranglehold on, on this division you know it's going to be between those two teams probably um and i don't know like time is running out for a wild card spot like starting off like one and three one and four it's really really hard to come back and get a wild card spot um but yeah, let's let's flip it over to the Chiefs side. And the Chiefs are a very interesting team as well. Um they've had their fair share of close, you know, close games this season. Um they end up losing to the Lions in a close one. They beat the Jaguars by one score. They destroy the Bears. They beat the Jets by one score. Um I don't really know what to make of this team. I think definitely losing Eric Bieniemy, like their offensive coordinator, uh made a difference. Um, Patrick Mahomes does not look the same. He looks a little like, well, he, he looks, I I don't know in this game, like my analysis, you know, just this one game sample size. I thought a lot of times, like 
he was doing like he kept running around and like opening up throwing lanes and like waiting for like routes to develop but the problem was is that they just never really like even though he Patrick Mahomes was making buying time to run around in the pocket and waiting for his receivers to get open they never really did and I think a lot of times the picks like he just tried to force throws that weren't really there and like I don't know why he just didn't throw it away or I I don't know maybe he was just kept trying to make a play happen I felt like he did that a little bit too much in this game um and he was like clearly very like good at avoiding pressure right like he was pressured but he only got sacked one time and he did have a bunch of ru- like he ran for seven times this game at, fif- at 51 yards and he literally had like the one run that like sealed the game for them too um so like his mobility was definitely key to the Chiefs winning this game because that Jets secondary is solid i mean um uh, obviously you have uh, Sauce Gardner there who leads uh, who leads that secondary and then DJ Reed is pretty good too um and, and their secondary is just their secondary did a great job in this game i thought um, it clearly, I mean, if you have Mahomes have two or three interceptions, um, but yeah, anyways, you know, the chiefs, they, they come away with a victory in this one. Pacheco is very explosive. He had a great game. The Rutgers kid coming back to New Jersey has 20 carries, 115 yards for one touchdown. My favorite uh, thing about him is I saw this tweet online. I forget who it was, but someone said Pacheco runs like he's mad at the ground. And that is like the most accurate statement. He's a violent runner. He's super explosive. Um, they need to definitely, you know, keep him involved. Um, this game, they did a good job of it, I think, because, you know, the passing game was a little bit struggling and they were able to run it. That just shows the versatility of this Chiefs team. Um, and the main thing about them is, like, even when they struggle, they still end up winning, right? Like, how much can you really harp on the struggles of a team that's 3-1? and one? Um, They definitely have, like, some issues that I want to see how they resolve especially come playoff time. But as of right now, like there's only so much you could say, but you know, I was just analyzing this one game and I thought it was a little bit interesting um, how, you know, Mahomes does struggle. He is human. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I, I still think this chiefs team is going to be really strong. Um, definitely going to be a super bowl contender for sure. Um, and they'll always turn it off in the, turn it on in the playoffs. Sorry. As always. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's it for the first uh, game I wanted to recap. Um, let's go to another game. Let's flip it over to uh, the NFC. Um, I'm going to go with Commanders-Eagles. Um, so, so this game was actually ended in overtime. Huge fan of overtime games. The Colts have been in two overtime games the past two weeks. Um, and it's very exciting, as always. So, you know, naturally, whenever I see an overtime game... Um, I like to go. I like to uh, navigate towards that. Um, so this was a divisional clash. Obviously, um, normally I would say you know teams within the division are pretty good at giving each other problems, no matter what the record is, just because maybe they know their tendencies, they know how to come up with a game plan, they're familiar with their opponents, and you know some teams. It's the NFL. Like teams don't just up and quit out of nowhere. You know they'll always give it a shot. And they'll always compete hard. And once you, once you let a team into the game, you know it. It's always a dogfight, and that's definitely what the Eagles did um, with the Commanders. You know, actually having the lead going into halftime, seventeen to ten. Um, so, in this game, Jalen Hurts, uh, twenty-five for thirty-seven, three hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns. Um, 
AJ Brown was unstoppable. He had nine catches for 175 yards, two touchdowns. I think, you know, being a Colts fan, I've seen AJ Brown play on the Titans so much. And I've had a wide range of opinions on him because I will literally watch like games where AJ Brown, like despite all of his talent, somehow ends up being kind of like a non-factor. Um, and then, you know, sometimes like he has those games where he like has like pretty easy drops and he's just like a little bit undisciplined, but then he has games like this where he just like catches everything and his main skill on the Titans wasn't that like he was like a possession receiver, but he would just take like a small slant and just like break and just like somehow break a tackle and then just have the speed to like literally take it all the way to the end zone. Um, and he had a little bit of that, you know, in this game too. Like he, he had that one, like his longest uh, play was like, I guess, uh, 59 yards. Um, and he, yeah, yeah, 59 yard, yeah, 59 yard touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts in the third quarter uh, with seven, at seven minutes, 11 seconds. Um, yeah, th- that one play just encapsulates, you know, what AJ Brown can do and how dangerous he is. Um, I-, I mean, their offense is just crazy. Like I can't. Compre- like Devonte Smith on most teams is like a wide receiver. I don't. I mean, in some teams, he's definitely be he's good enough to be like a wide receiver one. In most teams, he's probably like a wide receiver two. But that man is like cream of the crop wide receiver two. Like he had seven catches for seventy eight yards in this game. Like his that one thirty seven yard catch he had like before the end of the half uh, to give the Eagles a field goal um, was ridiculous. It was like through traffic. And even though, you know, like he, he can go up and make those plays as well. Um, it, yeah, the, the Eagles, they did a good job of squeezing out this one. Um, but, you know, shout out the commanders. I, I thought they came. I thought they came to play in this one. Um, Sam Howell, I haven't seen much from him, but like this game, he was he was played very well. Um, he was 29 for 41, had 290 yards passing. It was sacked five times by the Eagles defensive line. I feel like that was honestly their main frustrations in the game. Um, when they weren't able to score, it just felt like every time Philly had a sack, it kind of ended their drive. Um, but Sam Howell played well. Yeah, he also had six carries for 40 yards. Um, Brian Robinson is like another dude, like Pacheco, who um, he, he looks like he runs, like he's angry at the ground. Um, maybe not on Pacheco level, but like, you know, in the same in the same tier for sure. Um, he had 14 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. Um, and Terry McLaurin had a great game. He had eight catches for 86 yards. I don't know. This game is a little bit controversial. If you guys saw that one Terry McLaurin catch at the end, to me, it kind of did look like he was, um, you know, inbounds. Uh, If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, basically in overtime, uh, there was like a deep pass to Terry McLaurin. It looked like it was like 30 or 40 yards. It looked like it was like 30 yards. And honestly, like if he caught that pass, like it probably would have been over for the Eagles or you can't make make any guarantee. Maybe they could have still could have forced like a field goal or something. But, like, I don't know. That that would have just been, like, a back-breaking momentum play for the Commanders. Um, and, and they just, you know, apparently his legs were out of bounds. It looked very, very close to me. I think it could have gone either way. Maybe he was low-key kind of inbounds. But, um, I, I don't know. He They didn't give it to him. And then the Eagles end up getting the ball and winning this game. Um, but another thing that, you know, kind of stood out to me about this game is just the Washington offensive weapons are pretty decent. Like, you have Brian Robinson, who's a good running back. Antonio Gibson was literally their starter before Brian Robinson came, and now his his role has been like 
so reduced uh, to the point where he gets like six carries a game. I don't really know like how that came to be. Maybe Brian Robinson is just that much better, but like he Antonio Gibson is still like decently talented for sure. Um, you know Terry McLaurin. I've already talked about him. And then uh, they have like some. They still have Curtis Samuel on this team too. You know who's like a very dynamic weapon, um, and Jahan Dotson too, who had a bunch of moments with Carson Wentz this year. He had a he caught a touchdown as well. Um, but it's a pretty nice like trio of receivers with McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, um, Jahan Dotson. Diami Brown made a couple of big plays in this one too. Actually, um, he had two catches for fifty one yards. Both were like he like tw- like thirty like deep shots like I think it was like thirty five yards and twenty six yards so he he played well as well uh, but you know yeah I, I was just intrigued by the weapons uh, for this Commanders team and you know I think a lot like not a lot of people talk about them but you know somehow some way like with their defense uh, led by Chase Young um, and Ron Rivera it seems like their offense is always just like their quarterback situation is always strange that much is a given. But somehow, like they always end up like nine and seven or whatever, or nine and eight, um, and then end up with like a wild card spot, and they end up playing in the playoffs like every single season. So, I don't know. I would not be surprised if that's them, uh, especially if Sam Howell can keep this up. Because for me, that was probably the biggest concern um, about this team. Other than that, I think they're pretty talented. But you know, in this NFC East, getting a wild card spot with the Eagles and Cowboys in your division is you know very difficult too. Uh, just having four games against the Eagles and Cowboys, it's very detrimental. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let, let's move on. Um, so, the next game that I wanted to talk about, let's go to another overtime game. Um, I know you guys might think I'm a little bit biased. That's fine. This is my podcast, so I can be biased. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about the Rams and the Colts. Um, this game was insane. So I actually wasn't watching it live. I was at some. I was at a birthday party, um, but I was following on uh, the play by play, and and I was watching. You know, in transit to this birthday party. But the first half was very rough for the Colts. They ended up going down. I think they went down. Tw- yeah, twenty three. Yeah, they literally went down twenty three to zero. Um, with seven, like halfway through the third quarter. Um, and like, you know, the Rams are such a disciplined team. Like I've talked about it before with Matthew Stafford on offense and Aaron Donald on defense. Like this team has a very, very high floor. Um, maybe if they get Cooper cup back and then like, they have like some magical run, they can still do some damage like in the playoffs. Like I don't, winning a Super Bowl would be insane especially comparing like you know how strong like the Eagles and Niners and all these other teams look um but still like they still have like a very good team like they are not easy to beat by any stretch of the imagination Matthew Stafford was insane like he he was 27 for 40 319 yards he only had one touchdown and one pick but like the stats do not do justice to Matthew Stafford's game because if you watch like the first half there were a lot of plays where the Colts played great defense, but Matthew Stafford just lit them up anyways. He was throwing darts through very, very small and tight windows that not many other... I don't see that many other quarterbacks making um, those plays. And it would be ridiculous. Like He would like literally go through his reads and get to like the third read and then just decide to like whip the ball in there. 
Um, I think at some point he did get hurt. So, like, I don't know if, you know, that injury affected his, um, like, the last couple of drives that he had. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's dealing with, like, some sort of hip injury. Um, but, yeah, he, he played great in the first half. Like, he was able to connect a lot with Puka Nakua, um, who obviously needs to be mentioned for this game. Um, he had nine catches for 163 yards, which is insane. He is literally having, like, one of the greatest, you know, rookie um receiving game like he this is probably one of the greatest rookie receiving games he had nine catches 160 yards one touchdown also that one touchdown was a walk-off which was just ridiculous and he is literally putting together like a historic season for a rookie wide receiver um i don't know he is insane like he the way that like matthew stafford and puka connected in that first half it literally looked like puka was like cooper cup as a rookie, um, I think Ayush actually mentioned that in our group chat or something, which is like the most accurate thing. He was just like, how is Puka like literally Cooper Cup already? It just makes no sense. Like, and, and the Colts play like a very zone heavy, you know, defense. So I think that's kind of the problem, honestly, for the Colts defensively is like they have a great defensive front, but their secondary is a little bit inexperienced. Um, and when you when you have like a veteran quarterback and like a really good receiver, who's just very smart and knows how to break down a zone defense. Sometimes like, you know, they, they can just connect for a ton of chunk plays. Like I felt like Puka, like Puka's average uh, catch was 18.1 yards. So literally like all these are like shots, like down the field, you know, like they're, they're not like short, quick passes where he's catching and running. Like these are all like second level, like behind the linebackers type passes um, that he was catching. He had a spectacular game. Um, all credit to Matthew Stafford, Puka and the Rams. Um, I thought they did a great job in the first half of this game, but I thought the second half of the game, man, like that is when this Colts team really showed their heart. Um, the defense had a lot of problems, but Anthony Richardson, like he really came alive, um, in the first half, like he had a, like a good amount of success running the ball. Like he was converting a couple of, uh, you know, first downs with his legs. And then he did have that 23 yard uh, run, which I think he fumbled on. You know, stuff like that is obviously, you know, correctable. Um, he, he definitely has to be a little bit more focused and that in those aspects and not turn over the ball. Um, but when you, like, look at some of the plays that he made in the second half, like, as a Colts fan and as an NFL fan, like, you can't just help but not be excited. Like, this man was literally negating the pressure, any sort of pressure that the Rams were putting. Like, Aaron Donald in this game was go like they lined him up at the end, which was a genius move by the Rams considering that the Colts had their backup, you know, left tackle in um, and Aaron Donald was just playing the end. And he got by that guy so many times, like so quickly, but like Anthony Richardson was literally able to negate a lot of that just because he's, he has such great po pocket presence. He has such great mobility. He has such great awareness he was able to like sidestep and make just like quick movements that just literally negated Aaron Donald's, you know, pressure and whatever pressure that the Rams were able to get on him. There is one play that uh, Aaron Donald literally gets to Anthony Richardson and he like half steps into the throw and flicks his wrist and the ball goes like 40 yards down the field on the money to Alec Pierce. And that's when I was just like, all right, like this guy is next level. That and another thing I want to highlight is... Anthony Richardson in the red zone or sorry. Yeah. In the red zone is impossible to defend. Like he is just so athletic, big and strong. 
And like his improbability was also like you know on display in those uh, in the couple of those red zone plays where he just like runs around, makes a guy miss, throws a touchdown pass, and like he is he is so impressive. Like I think everyone coming into the season knew that like he he would have like hella crazy highlights just because that's kind of like his mo now like his signature, um, but just like. I don't know. His floor is also like a lot higher than I think people anticipated. And like, I am so excited to see like what he looks like at the end of the season. I've talked about this. I feel like every single week, but man, he is exciting. And if you're a fan of like, just like a crazy athlete who can make, who has insane arm strength and who can like run the ball and like is super physical, super agile, like just watch Anthony Richardson play, man. He, He is he is a joy to watch. I'm having a great time. Even though you could tell, like, you would think, like, the Colts won this game by how excited I am. But, like, nah, honestly, it doesn't even matter. Like, even if he, even if they lose the games, like, even if they lose the rest of the games, but Anthony Richardson, like, plays well, like, that gives me hope for the future. And to me, that just matters more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty crazy game. Like, the the Rams went up 23-0. to zero. The Colts scored 23 unanswered to come back. Um, and then the Rams get the ball in overtime and win in a walk-off touchdown. Um, yeah, that was pretty deflating, you know, as a Colts fan. But it, it was a, definitely like a blown coverage, which, you know, I did mention the, the inexperience of the Indianapolis secondary. Um, it happens from time to time. Not a big deal. But I, I really like the way that the teams competed in this one, um, especially from the Colts. You know, they, they could have bowed out in this one and just let just let it have been a shutout or like a – a lopsided game, but no, they didn't give up. Um, and when you have Anthony Richardson, you know, you have a chance. Um, yeah. So, you know, this was definitely one of the more entertaining games of the week. Um, yeah, let's move on to another one. Let's go to Raiders and Chargers. Um, yeah, this game was pretty interesting. Uh, the Raiders without Derek Carr started Aiden O'Connell. Um, who went 24 for 39, uh, 238, or sorry, yeah, 238 yards uh, passing. He had one pick, um, or and then he had, he was sacked seven times, and six of them were literally Khalil Mack, which is insane. Like, we need to, we need to give Khalil Mack his props here. Like, we're not going to just ignore the fact that this man had six sacks in one game. Which is, I think, one short of like the, the the. I think it's uh. I think the record is like seven or something, um, but yeah, he's Khalil Mack was insane. Uh, just <laughs> six sacks. I don't know. I I mean, it's hard to say like because it's like a rookie quarterback, you know, playing his first game. Like, there's probably a couple that he held the ball on for too long, but then a couple he definitely like uh Khalil Mack just definitely you know beat his guy. Um, but yeah, I, I this was like a pretty interesting game in my opinion. Um, I thought finally the Raiders got Jack, uh, Josh Jacobs a little bit more involved. He had 17 carries for 58 yards, one touchdown. He had eight catches for 81 yards. Um, and Devontae Adams, you know, even with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, like that man looked pretty good. He had eight catches for 75 yards on 13 targets. Um, it, and then uh, it, it was just, I don't even know, like <laughs> th- this game, like, I, the only reason I'm laughing is because literally last week, if you guys saw me go on my little Brandon Staley rant, um, I, I'm laughing. But, okay, let me just talk about the Chargers stats a little bit, and then we'll get into that. 
Um, Justin Herbert, 13 for 24, 167 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, it was a pretty weird game, honestly. Uh, you know, both quarterbacks had, like, pretty, you know, like, okay outings, I guess. Um, Joshua Kelly, they still don't have Austin Eckler, so Joshua Kelly's in. Um, he had 17 carries for 65 yards. Um, you know, uh, Darius, Darius Davis had three carries for 51 yards. Um, Herbert himself ran the ball a good amount. Uh, he had 12 carries for 27 yards. Um, like, I, I would say, yeah, he, for him, like, they're still doing good enough to win games right now, which is all that matters. Um, it does look a little bit rough, though, when you, like, look at exactly what happens, I guess. Um, like, it's just, I don't know. I can't get over this Brandon Staley thing. So, literally, last week, like, after I just went on such a long rant about how this guy is crazy like he is you know making very risky decisions on fourth down literally one more time he does it again so they are up seven with three minutes and 32 seconds left in the fourth quarter and they are like still on their side of the field and i just can't understand the logic behind this because literally okay if it's there's three minutes and 32 seconds left in the fourth quarter like, even if you convert the fourth down on your side of the field, the game is not over. That's not enough. Like, it's, I would under, if it's like less than like two minutes and they don't have like any timeouts and the clock is stopped or something, then I understand, right? Cause your logic is like, okay, you know what? If we get this, we win the game. Like, forget it. Let's go seize our own victory instead of just waiting around. <laughs> but in this one, like, you literally wouldn't have even won the game. Um, so I don't know. Like, so they, they try the, the Eagles tush push. It doesn't get there. The the Raiders take over the ball. They're marching down the field. Devontae Adams makes a big catch. And then basically, you know, at in the end zone, Aiden McConnell sadly throws an interception um, that, you know, uh, I think it was Asante Samuel Jr. probably. Um, let me see. I'll double check that. But, um, yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, Asante Samuel Jr. I think had the pick. Um, but he, he basically went, um, after he picked it off, he just, he just, uh, slid down, got the victory for the chargers. Good for them. Bad for Brandon Staley. Come on, man. Stop making bad decisions. This is the second week in a row. I'm talking about this. I don't know why I keep talking about it, but like I said, I mean, I just don't know how seriously you can take this team. If like Brandon Staley is still making these kinds of decisions, like, I don't know what goes through this man's head, but ah, it's it's just surprising. But um, yeah, like o- overall, I think you know the Chargers like they scored all twenty four of their points in the first half, um, and the second half was kind of like you know like an improbable Raiders uh, comeback. They they ended up getting within one score. Um, they forced the turnover when they needed to. Um, it was just Aiden McConnell, you know, in the end, you know, kind of forced the ball there, um, and ended up throwing an interception. Like, but I don't know. I, I wonder, like, if they had Derek Carr, would they just win this game straight up? Um, There's definitely a chance. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, my the main reason I wanted to go to this game was obviously just to talk about Brands Daily. So now that we're done with that, moving on. Um, Now, okay, so this game also doubles as my favorite game of the week. Um, Bills and Dolphins. This was the heavyweight matchup of the week. The Dolphins' offense is running wild. 
They scored 70 points last uh, week. Um, and, you know, they're coming in, like, super hot. And, and this Bills team, uh, you know, after that – or not like it really – like, after the upset in week one where the they lost to the Jets who, you know, returned – uh, the punt return for touchdown after Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. Um, other than that, like, they've been on a roll. Like, the, the Bills have pulverized their opponents, um, and they continue to do that in this one. The Bills win 48-20 to um, over the Dolphins. This game was just ridiculous for their offense. Um, I thought in the beginning, like, they definitely set the tone uh, by just, you know, scoring a touchdown on their first uh, – on their first drive, um, like, uh, yes, I think that was the one to, let me see which one, I guess that was to, uh, Gabe Davis, yeah, the first one was Gabe Davis, that, like, they just, they just really set the tone on that one, in my opinion, like, I, I talked about it before, like, how you come out and set the tone matters a lot, the Bills were at home, and they came out energized, so I give them credit for that, um, I honestly thought the game was, like, pretty back and forth, you know, in the beginning. Um, it was, like, a Buffalo touchdown. Miami scored a touchdown. Um, then Buffalo scored another touchdown. Miami scored a touchdown. Buffalo scored a touchdown. And then it was, like, really that um, – th- there was just, like, a little bit in between, I guess. You know, I think it was, like, it, the game kind of slowed down. At, like, the, the Dolphins had a couple of punts. The Bills had a punt. And the, the Bills score a touchdown again. And then I think the Dolphins had a fumble. Um, or I think it was Mostert who fumbled the ball. Uh, yeah, Mostert had that first fumble. He actually fumbled it twice. Uh, they, he only lost one, though. But I think it was really that fumble that kind of turned the momentum. And then after that, like, you know, the Bills were already up two scores. And after that, the game just seemed to, like, get further and further away uh, from the Dolphins. Um the Bills end up scoring 48 points on this super hot Miami Dolphins team. Um, and they kind of put them in their place. Uh, I And Josh Allen was 21 for 25, 320 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he was incredible. He's been playing incredible. Um, Stephon Diggs also, six catches, 120 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he was playing out of his mind as well. This is a very high-powered Buffalo Bills offense. Um, and, and, like, it's insane because I think, like, you know, like, going into this game, a lot of people would have been like, oh, you know, the Dolphins' offense is better. They scored 70 points. And the Bills were just like, nah, watch this. <laughs> um, the, the Bills just have a lot more experience and proven, like, you know, players, I guess, on that offense. And they're they're looking to make a sta- – they were looking to make a statement in this game, and they did just that. Um, I thought Tua played, like, okay – uh, he also had that interception, um, and he, like, I don't know, this game, they just seemed a little bit, you know, off. I think one thing that I noticed, though, from the Dolphins' perspective is that Devon Achainman, that guy is insanely explosive. Like, he had eight carries for 101 yards. He scored twice in this game for the Dolphins. Like, he is continuing his, you know, uh, streak from the last uh, last week where he scored, I guess, three or four touchdowns. Um he is he is ridiculously explosive. He is a great compliment to Raheem Mostert, who I thought like really struggled in this game. But like just having two like solid running backs that you know you can like alternate with is pretty you know it, it's a great to have for the Dolphins. Uh, it, it's it's a really good weapon. 
I think they got to definitely just keep him involved. Um, but overall, I thought, you know, the Bills defense did a pretty good job. Like, Tyreek Hill only had three catches in this game for 58 yards. Jalen Waddle had four catches for 46 yards. Um, like, their secondary did a good job of keeping those guys in check. And, you know, maybe they let Devonta Chain get a little bit going on the ground. But, like, who cares? Like, they probably had a game plan to focus on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And they, they did just that. Um, I thought uh, this – yeah, like, I, I'm just really impressed by the Bills, you know. Um, like, Stephon Diggs with that second touchdown that he had, he took control of the game at that point. The Bills said, you know, this is our moment. And, like, I'm going back to what I was saying in week one. Uh, you know, week one of this podcast, I was sitting here talking about um, how, you know, the the Chiefs just had just lost. Um, I was talking about I want a team to make a statement in the AFC to see, like, you know, who can rise up and who can compete against them and who wants, you know, ho- uh, home field advantage. Um, at the time, like I mentioned, the Bills uh, and the Bengals, and, you know, the Bengals have, you know, struggled. They, they lost to the Titans this week. They look out of it. That They have a bunch of more problems. They're not even – I don't even think they've gotten to that stage where they can be, like, regular season, you know, just, like, powerhouses like the Bills are. Like, I feel like no matter – as long as they have like, this core of, like, Josh Allen on offense, like, the Bills will get to, like, you know, 12 or 13 wins, like, every single season. Like, you can just pencil it in. Um, and the, the Bengals are just not there as a team, even though, despite the fact that they've had a little bit more playoff success, um, but just talking about the long-term, you know, like playoff outlook of on the AFC here, um, I think the Bills are, you know, they're in a good position here. Um, they came out with a statement. They look like they're the team to beat. They're out here just destroying teams. Um, I, I was impressed. I said in that first podcast, like, if one of these teams comes out and takes it, like, I'll talk about it. And, you know, here the Buffalo Bills did. So that's, this is me giving them their credit. They're definitely the team to beat in the AFC, um, I would say, right now. Um, again, you can never count out the Chiefs. I'm not doing that. But, you know, the Bills look good. Uh, you know, why not? Maybe Maybe this is the year that they overcome that and eventually make it to the Super Bowl. Let's see. Um they let's look up their upcoming schedule um yeah so they have a couple of games uh you know against the they have one against the jaguars in london i guess um i have no idea usually the jaguars play pretty well in london for some reason (laughs) but um you know buffalo bills are still a good team Uh, after that they have the giants patriots buccaneers Bengals. um so they have they have a good amount of winnable games but i'm curious to see you know like They've just been on a rampage. Like, they haven't scored less than 37 points in the past three weeks. So, like, they, they might just go off in London again. I'm curious to see how long they can keep this up. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, – I just wanted to go to this game just because, you know, this was the heavyweight matchup of the week. I'm always going to try to have that on my recaps. And the Buffalo Bills made a huge statement with this one. Um you can even see Pat McAfee talking about it on his show. <laughs> he says we got a new king of the AFC, um, and they look like it. They look like it right now. The thing is, I want to see it in the playoff. Like if they beat the Chiefs, then I'll admit it. I'll be like, dang. Like you know, if the Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, like the Buffalo Bills, like they still have everyone. Like they're loaded right now. Maybe this is their team. And, and like they added James Cook to this team. Um, he looks pretty good. He had uh, you know one catch for forty eight yards that he 
like just the fact that he can like he looks a lot more explosive um and and he looks good uh and this team looks really good um yeah so that's about it for you know my weekly recaps um for my weekly segment kind of the opposite of what i was discussing before i want to talk about teams who have overperformed so far um so i have a list of five teams here um i'm gonna go through all them and kind of just talk about you know why they've been overperforming um so let's go through it um the first team that i thought of is the houston texans the houston texans are sitting at two and two after just you know dismantling the steelers um and i honestly didn't even know that they could do this <laughs> um like they they just uh they just destroyed the steelers like i said 30 to 6 cj stroud had 306 yards two touchdowns he is looking like the part man like i am unbiasedly you know gonna say that he looks like the best rookie quarterback right now um he is just in a great rhythm and he looks like he's getting better and better every single week I am really curious to see, but like their offense is just explosive, and he he is carrying a different swag on like the Texans team. Like I I was watching his like press conference or whatever, and they're talking about like yeah, like a bunch of like Steelers fans came to the Houston arena, and he just kind of sent them home. And I was like, dude, I I love that energy. Like he is he is confident, he is playing well, and it is showing. And this Houston Texans team, like they're already two and two, man. Um, like I think that, you know, they have a solid chance to end up with, um, you know, like, like seven or eight wins. And that is a huge, huge improvement over how like desolate it looked last year. And CJ Stroud, man, he really looks like he came through to save that, save that team. Um, and his wide receivers have been playing great. I've talked about them so much. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, uh, they, Nico Collins had another monster game. He had seven catches, 168 yards, two touchdowns. Like that team is that offense is is gonna be so good. Um, moving on to my next team though, uh, my second team I want to mention that has overperformed so far is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Buccaneers win twenty six nine over the Saints. It wasn't really all that close. Baker Mayfield had two hundred forty six yards, three touchdowns, one interception. It kind of looks like he's coming into his own, honestly. Um, I don't know if he's like, you know, just he, he struggled a lot through his career. Obviously, he's moved around a ton. Um, yeah. But like, it looks like he might have finally found a home. And like this team is, you know, it's good. Like they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think Mike Evans did get hurt in this one. Hopefully he comes back soon. Um, but with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin um, and all the players they have on their defense um, with Shaq Barrett, um Let's see, Antoine Winfield, uh, Christian Isian, the rookie, has looked really good. Um, th- they've played pretty well. And again, like, this is a team that has Super Bowl experience. And because of that, they just, you know, can raise the floor a little bit. Um, and because of that, I think, you know, this team is overperforming. They're 3-1 and one right now. And in that NFC South, they pretty much, you know, the other teams haven't really shown me anything that could you know, prove that they're going to be that good. Um, like there's nothing about the saints Panthers or Falcons that makes me think that they could win the division. So at this point, like I would say it's probably still the Buccaneers who are the favorites to win the division. And it's crazy. Like every single year, like I feel like 
you know, this was the one year I was definitely like thinking about counting the Buccaneers out, but kind of like the Rams just having like that Super Bowl experience. Like this is a team that's not going to let up. They have a ton of good players and that's hard to beat, right? Like it doesn't matter that, you know, Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. Like they, they still have so many good players and honestly, like he's played pretty well. Like he had a good game in this one. Um, it was 25 for 32, 246, three touchdowns. Um, and he led them to victory in this one. Uh, pretty impressive for the Buccaneers so far uh, in the first month or so of the season. Um, another team that I'll talk about, uh, we already talked about the Rams, but I just want to shout them out. Uh, I pretty much already talked about, you know, why. But, you know, the Rams being 2-2, two and two, I know it's not like some glorious record, but like just the fact that like they've won- they're have they 2-2, and two, and even in, uh, you know, the games that they lost, um, you know, they lost to the Bengals by three points. They lost to the Niners by one score. Like, they were very competitive in both of those games uh, as well. So I, I would definitely put them uh, in my list of teams that have overperformed. Um, but again, I don't want to talk about too much because just because I touched on them a lot in that segment with the Colts. Um, but yeah, so the last team um, that I want to mention for overperforming is your Detroit Lions. The Lions are three and one. They, you know, pretty much dominated the Packers um, on Thursday night football. They won 34 to 20, but that score is not as close as it seems like the, the Lions were in control for most of that game. Their defense was just destroy, like frustrating Jordan Love. They got a lot of pressure on him. They picked him off two times. Um, they didn't even really have to throw the ball to win. They were able to run the ball. Um, there's a bunch of questions as to why they aren't using Jameer Gibbs more. But, like, David Montgomery, man, 32 carries, 121 yards, three touchdowns. Like, he exploded in this one. Um, the Like, the Lions just came out, smacked the Packers in the mouth, and, you know, like, they didn't look back. Um, 27 to three going into halftime, like most of their points were, you know, kind of scored in garbage time, I would say, uh, for the Packers. And like, there wasn't, maybe there was like a small, um, let's see the closest they ever got was within two scores. But even then, like, you know, it, it didn't really seem like they could get there. Like, I think after that second Packers, the Packers touchdown that gave them, uh, you know, 17 points where Jordan, uh, sorry, uh, Jordan Love uh, ran it up uh, for nine yards, um, and they got the and they failed the two point conversion though. Um, but you know they were within ten points at that point. But the Lions responded with a eight minute fifty two scoring drive uh, touchdown drive where David Montgomery scores on fourth and goal at the Green Bay one. At that point, it just seemed over. Um, but this Lions team has played really well. Um, you know, with their hot start. And, like, you know, Vi- the Vikings were supposed to be their, you know, main competitors probably. But we talked about their slow start um, last week. And, you know, they're first in the division. And I think they have a great shot, actually, of, you know, pulling it off this year. Uh, finally, we could see a Detroit Lions champion or some <laughs> division championship. I was going to say championship, got a little bit too excited. But the Detroit Lions could be division champions this year. Would be very exciting. They have a super fun, super creative offense. Um, their defense is, you know, playing very well, too. They have a very strong defensive front that can generate pressure and frustrate other quarterbacks. They're probably, you know, like they're the team I definitely – I don't know how big of a surprise it is, but like because I think, you know, it was predictable. But, like, they're definitely doing very well. 
um, a little bit overperforming. So I just wanted to shout them out for sure. Um, yeah, but that about does it for my NFL week four recap podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you guys definitely, if you're listening to this podcast, you've definitely seen my new TikTok account. I will definitely try to record a little bit more and post some content on there. So stay tuned. Big things coming for Out of Bounds. And as always, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.